0: In one, the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease and be thyself our praise.
1: this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had concluded this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because He will save His people from their sins. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. It's Christmas time, and along with Christmas comes the Christmas carols, the beautiful music, the hymn music of Christmas, the most stunning music in all of the world. Also come the parties, all of the sharing of gifts. I'm shy to say this, but I suspect this will be America's last Christmas. While America is filling the malls, while America is going about its Christmas, Christians are dying around the world. Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Vietnam, China. Around the world, men and women are dying as bombs are falling. People are starving because of wars. People are frightened. Europe is being invaded. It will never be the same. I remember with great fondness my time spent in Paris and other parts of Europe. The Europe I knew is history. As a great influx of Muslims occurs from Syria and from other parts who are determined to force Europe to become an Islamic nation. Our president is determined that he will do the same thing To the United States of America. He is already well into the process of doing so. And he has done everything in his administration possible to destroy this nation. Barack Obama is not simply a liberal, he is an extremely radical liberal. He has an agenda of destruction. Of the basic core values that this nation has known. Many of you have voted for him without recognizing the Antichrist spirit that permeates his entire administration. We're in trouble. America is in trouble. And frankly, you need to be preparing. You need to be preparing with food, with six months of food put in your closet, minimum water. You need to have preparations made so that you can survive in your home. Even the government is telling us this. You also need to be prepared spiritually, but most are caught in the full sway of the ungodliness, the secularism of the solstice, the winter solstice. You understand that that this is the time when the world celebrates the birth of Christ. But in reality, most are not celebrating the birth of Christ. They are celebrating instead the holiday that is hidden beneath what we call Christmas, they're celebrating the secular, wicked winter solstice. In ancient times, it was believed that Baal, the god of prosperity, the agrarian god who brought forth the crops, it was believed that at the winter solstice, he disappeared down underground to fight with the god of death. And that while there, the people lit fires, hence the festival of lights. Homes in America are not decorated for Jesus. They're decorated with lights to entice Baal to come back up from the underworld. This has been going on for centuries. The Catholic Church... Christ mass, that's what Christmas means, Christ mass, the Catholic church said we can gain more converts if we try to transform the winter solstice, the celebration of Baal, trying to entice him through every unclean thing and party. If we tried to bring him back to the surface, and so the parties go on The ungodliness goes on. The Puritans would not even allow Christmas to be celebrated in the New World because it was so utterly wicked in its drunkenness and its uncleanness, ungodliness. But today America is mad with spending money, with Black Friday, and the rush is on. And I know I too have been caught In this Christmas spirit, I remember when I was just a child. Many, many years ago, our family was very poor. And mom and dad advised us ahead of time that we, the three boys, I was the youngest, would not have a Christmas present that year. That money was too tight, that we were not going to celebrate. I'll never forget it was a beautiful Christmas Eve. Snow was on the ground. We were very sad. We had a small meal, and suddenly there was a knock at the door. Dad went and opened the door, and there stood the senior pastor of our church. Dad was one of the head elders. And there was his wife, the Carneses a tall, godly man with snow-white hair. He said, Matt, our children are not with us. They're all grown, and we can't be with them. So tonight, we decided we would bring our Christmas to your family. And so they brought in Christmas, the decorations, under the Christmas tree, a beautiful, sparkling, white mat, and on that they put up little houses with lights in each one and then they went to the car and they and they brought out gifts until our christmas tree was full underneath with all the gifts they were bringing i was so excited <laughs> i was i was transformed i was just amazed, almost to the point of tears. And then they said, And now, Brother Matt, we'd like to bring dinner in for you. And they went out to their car, and they brought in the most delicious food. Our table was laden full. The kindness of the Carnes. I've never forgotten that kindness. It was an amazing time. I was very grateful. And we had a great Christmas celebration that year. Touched my heart. And I won't deny that there is a wonderful, wonderful gift in Jesus Christ that moves us to be generous and kind and loving. I don't celebrate Christmas anymore But I do do one thing. I I spend a great deal of my personal money giving gifts to non-Christians because at the Christmas season, non-Christians are much more open to hearing about Jesus. And so I give gifts to those non-Christians that I have met during the year to witness to them that Jesus Christ is, loves them, as evidenced by the gifts that are being given to them. I take Christmas as a time to to witness that Jesus is the Christ. I'm not a Scrooge. In fact, I probably give away more now than I ever have in my life to people and children who need a gift and their hearts are open and I can speak with them about our Lord. And so I love that opportunity and I remember the joy of that that Christmas Eve when our pastor was so kind and brought to us many gifts to say thank you To my father for the wonderful gifts that he had given. But I'm very concerned because we are at the end. We are at the end of those pleasant times in America. I don't think they can be recaptured. America is facing the greatest debt of any nation in the history of the world. And not only is it the United States, but it is every nation. We are facing the threat of war on every hand, nuclear annihilation. We're facing the collapse of our dollar. Stores are closing. Many, even now, of you who listen are only working part-time. Some of you are having an exceedingly hard time just making ends meet. I believe we have now begun to enter into the final throes of earth's history. I believe that you who listen now with me will see the final great climax of history as Jesus comes in his glory. This wonderful little baby that was to come It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God has not abandoned us. As we face the most tumultuous events in all of history on a worldwide scale and as we see the ascendancy of the Antichrist spirit that permeates our government now and the European governments, as we see the ascendancy of the Antichrist, there is hope in Jesus Christ. It says, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Notice it says, name him Jesus, which literally means the Lord saves. You remember it was Joshua who led the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because of his sin against God. But it was much bigger than that. Moses would never have been allowed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land because Moses represented the law. It took a Joshua to lead the people. It took a Joshua to die on the cross. It took a Joshua, meaning the Lord saves The law does not save us. Jesus saves us. That Greek word can also mean delivers to safety, saves from sin, not saved in sin. Please hear me when I say this. As we face the greatest challenge of righteousness as we face the greatest challenge financially in America's history, know that this crisis has not come about accidentally. It has been a great design of many men and women who had wicked hearts to bring America down. And we have allowed this to happen by being numb and unconscious, and believing that the good times would always roll and we would never have to stand up and fight. We would never have to stand up and say, stop this now. I mean, you see what happened with the most recent vote. Paul Ryan, who was supposed to lead the Congress in a way that would restore smaller government, the rights of the people. What does he do? He and the liberal, and I'm going to call them that because when I was a child, that's what we would have called these men, called rhinos. We would have called them liberals. And the Democrats, who today are more socialist than liberal, something we could not have imagined those years ago. What did they do? They voted a huge spending bill that will cause great destruction in this nation. Fully funding Obamacare, fully funding all of the incoming refugees. Now please, I am not against refugees. I am not against immigration. I am against illegal immigration. I am against a president who will not uphold the law. I'm against an attorney's general who will not uphold the law. America is a nation based on law. So as we see the destruction of the very core of America, as we see the collapse We must not look to Jesus as though he were a sentimental symbol of peace. He did not come to be a sentimental symbol of peace. He came to save us from our sins. And a great divide is occurring in America between those who have given up all sensibility, all sense of right, they have said now what is wrong is right. What is sweet is sour. They have done exactly what the scripture said would happen at that end day. So as we watch this happen, Jesus came to save his people from their sin, not in their sin. Now, there's another scripture that I'd like to share with you. It's found Over here in the book of Luke, listen as I read this to you. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do this for him, the custom, the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that we be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. Well, this child grew up. This Jesus, this Jesus is going to reveal the hearts of many men in the coming year. There's no longer going to be a gray line between Christians and pagans. Those who call themselves Christians are going to have to come to terms with what it means to be a Christian. And those who are not willing to pay the price of being born from above who are not willing to turn their back on the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to be exposed for what they are. Pagans spray-painted on the outside to look a little like Jesus, but pagan at heart. There is coming a great divide in America between Christians and non-Christians. And I pray that quickly, those of us who have made a commitment to Jesus will be exceedingly bold and kind, with hearts of love, as we do all in our power to call our families to lay down their false belief in Jesus and take up their cross and begin to follow him earnestly and honestly. The most destructive part of America today are those who call themselves Christians but who have never been born from above. Let me read for you in Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him between before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. We have come to a time when you must either Deny Jesus, disown Jesus, or boldly proclaim that you are an honest and true follower and that you have left your sin behind, you must leave the grace game behind that says, I am covered by the grace of Jesus, even though I'm still a sinner. You must boldly recognize that there is no such thing in Scripture as imputed Righteousness or positional righteousness, and those who have been preaching this have been destroying America and creating a comfortable, a comfortable place for the half converted. The half converted must be fully exposed and brought into the glorious light and mercy of Jesus who wants to save them from their sins. Not just the penalty of the sin, but the sin itself. We must be saved from sin. Christianity must once more have integrity. And that integrity has been destroyed by the positional righteousness preachers. We must become once more a holy people separated from the wickedness of the entertainment of this world and all the other filth that flows, the vileness that is rising in America. There must be patriots who are sold out to Jesus, who are boldly ready to stand and die for him. Listen, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father and a a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. These are not just casual words. These are real we have got to stop the pleasing nature of the unconscious pursuit of the world. We must lay down our wonderful American lifestyle and recognize that the world is burning down around us and our freedoms are being stripped from us by an ungodly and unrighteous government that stands in opposition to integrity, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. We must wake up and begin to prepare ourselves to love our enemy, to do good to those who hate us. But we must come to a place where we recognize that we are no longer partners with wickedness. And the sentimentality is covering over a great a great wickedness of heart. This breaks my heart to say to you, but I'm saying plainly stop participating with the things of darkness and turn and get right with Jesus. And let that getting right with Jesus separate you from anyone who hates Jesus Christ. It says, anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The dreamland of American prosperity and comfort is over. Oh, it's still, you can go to the grocery store and you can go to the shopping malls, and you can go here, and it's all going to come to a crashing halt. For the Lord is going to uncover the secret of your heart. He wants to know if you love the pleasures of this world or whether you love Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ. How are we going to deal with these With these coming days? How are we going to walk in the midst of this pain and anguish that's about to come upon the earth? It was all prophesied. None of this takes us by surprise. We all knew that the flesh counts for nothing. We've heard the sermons all of our lives. So what are we going to do? In the book of John, it's a very interesting passage I want to share with you. I'm quickly trying to turn to it for you. The Lord promised that he was going to send a comforter to us. It's in John 16. I pray as I share this with you, your heart will be open. Jesus, looking forward, knew the days that were coming upon the earth. And he was very afraid for you and for me. He was afraid our heart would grow cold. And so he said, I'm going to send you the spirit of reality. He said, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a counselor who will advise you. And of course, we know from previous studies what the Holy Spirit, the counselor was to say to us. He came and spoke the words of Jesus to our hearts In that third chapter of the book of Revelation, the counsel was to buy gold refined in the fire, that is, an absolute confidence and faith in Jesus Christ, that he would come to us in the midst of our lukewarmness, and that's what we have today, an asleep, lukewarm Christian church that has allowed this wickedness to come into America because the pulpits have not burned with righteousness. Instead, they have softly peddled the lie of their positional grace, positional righteousness. And it has been the destruction of the American church So gold refined in the fire, absolute trust, buying also white clothing, righteous actions, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. I come day by day bringing that salve, hoping that you will see your condition before God and make certain of your calling and your election. He said, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest, that is, eager, totally given to repentance, upside down your life, a change, a transformation, Romans 12, a total, a total changing of your whole mindset as you see the new reality that is befalling America, and as you see the wickedness that has crept into your own life and the sentimentality of Christmas that has swept you away year after year, he says, you must repent. And then he says, here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. He promises us the most wonderful gift of all, intimate fellowship with him. But let's go back to the 16th chapter of John. He says, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God today men and women think they are offering a service to god to allah not the god of not the god of the bible a false pagan god a luciferian god the moon god and they think that by killing you they have done their god a wonderful service Verse 3, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. And I'm telling you, we have now come to a time in America when very soon persecution will break out in America like it is breaking out all over the world. We're told that every five minutes, a Christian is executed in Iraq. The slaughter is huge. Whole portions, nations of Christians are being slaughtered and cast out. John 16, verse 5, Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Well they didn't ask because they were so overcome with grief that Jesus would leave them they were speechless their hearts were broken and rent He says because I've said these things to you you're filled with grief Jesus had been everything for them for 3 years they had left their families and followed him they'd camped in the in the hills they'd camped in olive groves they had gone hungry They were totally dedicated to this man, Jesus, who was God among men. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So we are not to be left alone as America crashes. Our hearts are not to fill with fear. We are to prepare as the Holy Spirit directs us. And we must be prepared to bear a powerful witness and testimony that Jesus is the Christ, even if it costs us our lives. And then he begins to speak about the counselor that he will spend, that he will send in, and what the work of the counselor is. First of all, he he will convict the world of guilt, That's the first thing he will do. He will convict the world. Notice it does not say he will convict his followers of guilt because they've already been convicted. The problem we have today is that many who call themselves Christians are not Christ followers. They still walk in their guilt. Do you? Do you still walk in your sin and believe that you're saved in spite of your sin? He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. If you were to ask me, what are all the scriptures about? I would answer, the entire scriptures, old and new, are about only one thing. God's plan to remove sin from your life. God's plan to establish you in righteousness, in innocence. God's plan to save you from your sin, that you can spend eternity with him in glory. That's what the whole deal is about. He says the Holy Spirit will come, and he will move in the hearts of the wicked, in the heart of the world, and he will convict them of guilt, of their sin. The second thing he will convict them of Is righteousness real righteousness you notice it does not say the counselor is going to come and convict the Christians of righteousness because true Christians have already been convicted of their sin and they have left their sin they no longer walk with the world the devil or the flesh They have cut it off in the name of Jesus by the power of the blood. They've been released. They've been set free. What I'm hoping you begin to hear today is that there must be a very clear distinction between the world and the Christ follower. There must be a very clear line of demarcation. A Christian must be recognized because he is righteous and holy before God and he is totally given over to Jesus. He dwells in Jesus. He abides in Jesus. He no longer abides in bitterness and anger and harshness. He no longer abides in fornication and and vile pornography. He no longer abides in lying and cheating and stealing. He no longer abides in that stuff. The world abides in that, not the Christian. And so when the counselor comes, he's not going to convict the Christian of guilt and righteousness. And if you're being convicted of your guilt and your unrighteousness, you've not yet become a Christian. This is a call to come out and be separate from the world to no longer walk like the world walks, but to be totally given over to Jesus Christ. This is not a, a panty-waste message. The gospel was full of action and, and conflict. Righteousness and unrighteousness cannot dwell together. Righteousness and unrighteous cannot dwell in your life together. You are either one or the other. You are either a follower of Jesus who is sold out to Jesus, or you're not a Christian. And then last of all, this counselor is going to convict of judgment. Judgment in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, I want to tell you, Satan stands condemned to death before God. And everyone who joins together with him will be likewise and is likewise condemned to death. There is no sentimental christmas spirit there is no hiding of wickedness everything is open before the father he sees your heart he sees and your heart is uncovered before him and now the holy spirit is coming to uncover every man's heart and when the uncovering of every man's heart appears some will repent And earnestly seek after Jesus with great weeping. I've seen this in vision. I've seen a great revival across America. It's not too late for America. I've been praying for many years, Lord, let let your judgment come unto repentance in America, not unto destruction. We are coming to a time when every man and woman is going to have to make a clear decision. Will I give my life to Jesus Christ or will I do what I have to do to get along with the Antichrist? Some pastors are now even teaching. I heard John MacArthur teach this, that you can accept the mark of the beast because you need to survive. And God won't judge you for it because once you accept Jesus as your, as your savior, you're saved and you can't do anything to lose that salvation. So you can even accept the mark. These men are lying to you. It is absolutely necessary that we come to the knife edge of understanding that righteousness and wickedness must be separated in the life of every believer, and it must be separated not by keeping the law, not by legalism. It must be separated by faith in Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus, and by Jesus coming in and doing a supernatural work in our hearts where he cuts out the wickedness, where he brings healing to our minds, where he renovates us, where there is a total Transformation. The gospel is not mechanical. In some ways, it's organic, but I want to be more specific. The gospel, to be effective in your life, must be brought about as a divine act of grace. It must be brought about by a divine intervention into your life. And God right now, by the power of the Spirit and the blood of Jesus, is trying to say to you, wake up, look at your life. Have you wandered off into the wilderness, and are you going to be devoured in the coming days as everything is collapsing? Are you going to be devoured by the devil, or are you going to flee to Jesus and the ark of safety and walk in his power in innocence and righteousness, totally leaving behind all sin, being made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ? I know it's Christmas, but Christmas is primarily about the solstice, about bail, about money, about gifts, about prosperity. It's not, for the most part, about men and women celebrating the the second greatest act that's ever happened, the event in the history of the world, the birth of Jesus Christ. And, of course, the greatest event in the history of the world was the crucifixion of God, crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. And now we come to these two great events from a historical perspective and know that this Jesus said, Now take up your cross and follow me and be crucified with me, that you can be resurrected in newness of life, in the fullness of holiness, that everything has been done on God's side to offer us a way of escape from the collapse that is coming upon America and upon the world. The events that are about to transpire in this coming year will cause men's heart to fail with fear. I trust, however, your heart will be hidden in Jesus Christ. I trust that you have said yes to Jesus. That you have said, I will serve him. No matter what it costs me. And I will stand on his promises that I might participate in his divine nature. I hope that a great awakening begins to come into your heart and mind and life. I am praying for you. I am praying that God will reach out in his mercy and his grace and give you eyes to see the precipice America is going over. No, I didn't say about to go over. I said is going over. And every man's life will be judged, and every man's heart will be exposed. I pray God will give those of us who have committed ourselves to Christ the love and the grace and the mercy to help every person we can. But the divide must come. Jesus prophesied it. The Holy Spirit has come to bring that great divide. To convict men of sin and righteousness and judgment. My eyes are on Jesus. Almighty God. My eyes are upon you. Jesus, Son of the living God, my eyes are upon you. I know even today you're in that temple above ministering your blood to those who will turn from their sin and repent. You are a God of great holiness and justice, but you're also a God of great mercy and kindness and love. I pray, Lord, today you will bring the great divide to America. That we would follow you, Jesus, and be counted as righteous, hidden in you. Let it be so, Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, I also invite you to go to our webpage. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel. Post office box 2346 Woodbridge Virginia 22195 or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com God bless you we love you